Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, if uh, if this is your first time worshiping with us, in the back of the seat in front of you is a card that looks very, very similar to this. If you would grab that uh, during the first part of this sermon, go on and fill that out because we have a special gift for you if you're here with us today. You can go out in our lobby, carry that card filled out with as much information as you feel comfortable with. And you can stop by our, uh, our Next Steps desk um, right in front of the Next Steps banner in the lobby. You can't miss it. And uh, you will, uh, we have a t-shirt today that we want to give you, a Lindsay Lanny's t-shirt that uh, we believe will be a huge, uh, really cool. They're nice, nice shirts, not cheap stuff, okay? If you're watching online with us, um, the easiest way to do that is to text uh, East Connect to 31996. And uh, when, uh, when you do that, you'll get a link from us and you can fill that out with as much information as you feel comfortable with. And then um, we'll get back with you as as uh, follow up with you. Um, I'm trying to keep it together. My mic's about had it. I'll take up a love offering today for my microphone. I think it's on me, so I'm just going to try to be very still. Uh, bring me a handheld if we need to, guys. So if the, um, Today we're going to dive into week three of this study through the book of Acts, and uh, I'm so excited to be studying the book of Acts because as Patrick uh, said or prayed, I can't remember which one, uh, the book of Acts really talks about what the church looks like and um, what it looked like when it began, and uh, there's something that you need to understand as we talk about some of the stuff that the early church did, uh, there's an ongoing discussion about what the church looks like, and you need to understand that everything in the book of Acts is not necessarily prescriptive, Okay? Does that make sense? The, the God's, God isn't telling us what the early church did as a guidebook of exactly what you and I are supposed to do. The book of Acts is descriptive. Does that make, you see the difference? It's describing what the early church did. It's not necessarily telling us everything that we need to do. But I think there are some principles today, as you'll see, that there are some things that you and I can uh, get engaged with. And so... Uh, Week three, week one, I asked the question on January 3rd, I asked the question, how are you going to partner with God for spiritual growth in your life in 2021? And I pray that you're still wrestling with that, and I pray that you're still seeking God in that. Um, the uh, last week, uh, well, the first week, I introduced you uh, to the idea of uh, that we're going to really gather around and be pumped around this year, and it is the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. Uh, so last week we looked at the us part of that. What does it look like to see the glory of God in us? And may I just say that uh, you guys heard, you listened, because we had 90 people here Wednesday night to be a part of groups, um, choosing to be a part, to see the glory of God in us through groups. So 90 people on campus, uh, that was uh, 60 kids or students and adults and 30 people, uh, kids and, and workers in our kids building. Man, I'm so thankful um, to be a pastor of a church that prioritizes groups. And so if you're not in a group yet, it's not too late. We want to hook you up. We want to help you find a place where you can get connected and begin to meet people and do exactly what we talked about. The most exciting thing from Wednesday night is that 14 people, 14 people, Adults and kids came to group for the first time. That's awesome. And so if you're one of those, we're partying with you because it's awesome to see you get stepping in and being a part of what God is doing here. Groups are so important to what we do. And again, if you haven't connected yet, we want to help you take that step. Um, so last week, last week's sermon, 
uh, was on Acts chapter 2. And we're going to just pick up the story right from there and really just continue on, okay? Um, this, we're seeing this early group of followers that begins to establish some good practices and some good habits and, uh, and uh, that, that you and I are supposed... We need to take note of these things, okay? And so I want to read the last two verses of chapter 2 again. And then um, we'll dive in, okay, uh, after I pray. So let me read verses 46 and 47 of Acts chapter 2. Go on and get there in your Bible, and I'm going to read that. Um, here we go. Every day they, speaking of the now 3,000 people that make up the church, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, uh, that we have your word, God, not as a, um, God, not as anything that the world thinks it is, but, God, we understand that your word is first and foremost, God, uh, a, uh, a look into your heart, God, to, disc- to tell us about who you are, God, to reveal yourself to us. And, God, we're so thankful that you've given us that because, God, we understand that apart from you, apart from your word, God, we could not know you. And so, God, as, as we always pray, we want to teach you, we want to ask that you teach us to know you today. But, God, we also want to pray that your presence would be with us today as we read your word, as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, Acts 2 last week. What we saw last week is this huge jump, this. You want to call it revival service. If you grew up in church, you know about revival services, right? Uh, where you'd see, uh, where we'd invite people in and we would, we'd present the gospel and we'd pray that God would change lives. Uh, this was an impromptu revival service that happened in Acts chapter 2. They, we see the church go from just dozens of people to three, over 3,000 people in one instance. We saw so many good things last week from those few verses about how they loved each other and how they cared for one, cared for the other believers. But here's what you need to notice. Um, that's not all that the early church did. They didn't just care for one another. And here's how I know. Because the, two, the, the little phrase that you and I skipped over last week, we didn't even draw any attention to, enjoying the favor of all the people. That's the verse that we just skipped over last week because I knew we were getting to it today, okay? It says that this early church, they did all these things together. They met in the temple together. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and what? Enjoying the favor of all the people. These earliest believers were living in such a way that many of their neighbors were appreciative and interested in their life change. Today we're going to talk about what is that second piece of our mission statement, our vision statement, the glory of God in our neighbors. What does that look like in the Bible, and what does it mean for us? All right, the first thing is this. What we see from the early church is that they won over their neighbors. They won over their neighbors. I want to share with you, I read this week, I read like different commentaries and stuff just to try to get... Um, and very few commentaries really focused on this this phrase, and so I found one uh, one Scottish pastor uh, from the late 1800s. Uh, just man, I'm just going to read it to you. It's going to be on the screen too. It'll be in two different sections, but here we go. This is what he said about about the early church. Whether wherever there is a little knot of men, obviously held together by a living Christ, 
and obviously manifesting in their lives and characters the likeness of that Christ, transforming and glorifying them, there will be drawn to them souls that have been touched by the grace of the Lord and souls to whom that grace has been brought the nearer by looking upon them. Wherever there is inward vigor of life, there will be outward growth. And the church, which is pure, earnest living, will be a church which spreads and increases. Man, I want that to be said of us here at East. That's what we see here in the text. And here's, I'm just going to push back against our, against our ideas for a second. You and I are being sold from the culture the idea that people don't want to hear what we have. You agree with that? We're being told that the people outside these four walls don't care what we do. In fact, they don't want anything to do with it. May I rem- That's true of some people. But may I remind you that the culture that 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 the book of, that Luke wrote in the book of Acts that enjoying the favor of all the people this is the same culture that just killed Jesus it's the same culture that's about to kill put to death all 12 of the apostles you get this right this culture was definitely in a lot of ways didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say and what his followers had to say however there is always a portion of our culture that needs and wants it. And if you and I buy in, if we buy into this narrative that our country is anti-Christian and that, that nobody wants to hear what we have to say and that everybody's against us, we have one, we have one uh, path, and that is to become combative and defensive. And let me tell you, the world does not want anything to do with a combative, defensive religion. So if we buy into the narrative, we have a self-fulfilling prophecy, (laughs) okay? If you and I buy into the narrative the country is anti-Christian and we become combative and defensive, guess what the country will become? Anti-Christian, right? And so you and I have got to recognize that historically and biblically, God will continue even in the midst of difficult and hard and and persecution like you and I have never and probably never will experience, yet God continues to reach people in the midst of that. That's where we need to fix our eyes, not on the combative defensive mess. We need to fix our eyes on our neighbors who need to be loved because these neighbors are not going to be won over in arguments over theology or politics. They will be won over by our love and our hospitality. That is what we see in the early church. They were gathering for meals in their homes. And the very next thing is that they were enjoying the favor of all the people. It doesn't tell us, but we're assuming, we're, we're, we're left to assume here that the only, that it wasn't just Christians who were invited into the homes. As the believers were gathering together in the temple, as the believers were gathering together in their homes, as they were sharing meals, we are left to assume that many of their lost friends and neighbors were invited into those meals. So you and I have to begin to not just try to make the message of our church loving and hospitable, but we've got to actually live loving and hospitable lives. The pastor that I was I referenced earlier, he continued this message, and man, this was is good. Buckle up. He says, depend upon it, brethren, 
that far more than my preaching, your lives will determine the expansion of this church of ours. If my preaching from the Word of God is pulling one way and our lives the other, I have only a half an hour a week for talking. Yet you have seven days for contradictory lifestyle. Which of the two do you think will win the tug? I beseech you, take the words that I am now trying to speak to yourselves. Do not pass them to the man in the next pew and think how well they fit him, but accept them as needed by you. I don't know who this guy is, but I'm signing up for his class, all right? Listen, church, we can, we can preach God's word and we can preach love and welcoming and hospitality and we can say to our neighbors from this pulpit and on our social media page and all those things that you are welcome and loved at Lindsay Lane East. But when they encounter the people of Lindsay Lane East, if our lifestyle shows differently, adios, right? If the culture around us sees Christians acting exactly how they expect us to act, which is bigoted and, and, and closed off and clicky, then they will say adios to the church and we will become an anti-Christian culture. The way we treat our neighbors as a church and as individuals will affect whether they are open to the gospel or to coming to church. So the first step that I'm asking you and I, is in my heart to take is to live lives of love towards our neighbors. We also need to be hospitable. As I said, the early church was opening their homes to each other. But because we see right after that that, that this, this, this opening of the home led to, uh, led to all people uh, being drawn to the church and that God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved, how is that happening unless the believers are inviting non-believers into their home? Listen, this is a a good word for you today. Your home is a great evangelistic tool. And some of you have experienced that and you know that to be true because you've seen it. But here's the other truth. Most of our neighbors are not going to show up at your house next weekend. But they very well might walk through these doors. They very well might. And when somebody shows up at your house, what do you do? They ring the doorbell. Kyle says he just sits on the couch and don't do nothing. He keeps his feet propped up and watches the game. There's more important things than greet. No, Kyle said, you get up and you greet them. Right? When people come to the door of our church, how are you and I to react? Keep our feet propped up. Enjoy the show. Talk to the people that you're around. Or do we get up and make people feel welcome? We have teams, a team of greeters who serve every Sunday. That list needs to grow. And we need people who are willing to just be here early to talk to people. I asked the first service this question. I'm going to ask you guys, if everybody treated our guests the way that you treat our guests, would we be a welcoming church? Well, that'll hurt, won't it? It does for me. So we want to be a church that people love to come to, even lost people, man. We want people, they come in, I'm going to preach the gospel, and they're going to get mad at me, okay? 
because they may not like what I'm saying. But I want them to leave here going, man, I may not like the message, but doggone, those folks make you feel loved. Those people make you feel like they're really a part, like you're really a part of what's going on. That's the kind of church we're trying to develop in ourselves. And I don't, I'm not saying we're totally not there. I think, we're, I think we're on to it. But I want us to dive into that this year. This is, one of the ways it look, this is one of the ways of what it looks like to love and see the glory of God in our neighbors. So when you're here at church, do you, are you hospitable or do you speak to the same people every week? Do you come in, sit down, sing, listen, sing, listen, and go home? One of the things we're talking about here is ramping up our guest experience. I can't wait to share you share with you some of those things. It's going to be really cool. But for our guests to be here, they are most often invited. Most people don't just show up here. Most people are invited. Some of you, all of you, at some point were probably invited to come to this church. I was too. It was just different than the way you were. <laughs> but one of the things that we haven't had is a good way to invite people to church. One of our college students came to us a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Daniel Herman over there. Daniel, wave your hand. What's up? Daniel came in and sat in our office and he said, hey, do we have any invite cards I could give to people and invite the church? And I said, no. And he said, can I develop that? And I said, yes. You see how quick business happens here at church? That's what we do. That's what we do. You volunteer for something? Yes, you do it. Okay. And Daniel did. Daniel worked hard to, to develop some things. Kenny and I took it and put some of our own ideas, and we were able to print these cards this week, got them rushed so that they could be here. Uh, it was an ordained moment that Daniel sat down because it fits perfectly with what we're talking about. And here they are. And today we're giving everyone, every family five of these when you leave. And some of you right now, you're thinking, hey, I know exactly where my five are going. I've already got the names in my head. And some of you are going, I'm probably just throwing mine in the garbage. No, you're not. Here's what I want you to do with them. I'm dead serious. Take these cards and put them in your car. Put them in the, the thing here, the console thing, glove box, somewhere. Because over the next few weeks, God is going to sovereignly put people in your place, in your way, at a gas station or at work. And there's going to be conversations that are going to start up. And you're going to think about those goofy cards that we gave you a few weeks ago. And you're going to think, oh, I got one of those. I got one. I want to invite them to church, but I don't know how. And so you're going to go into the car and you're going to give it to them. You don't have to say anything. Just stick it in front of their face. It's all you have to do. And so when you leave today, Daniel Herman, he doesn't know this, but he's going to be at the door passing these out because this is his this is his baby. We're just rocking it. And uh, so we're going to have him at the door today just to pass these out. Every family gets five. If you want more than five, we've got a 1,000. So um, take as many as you want, but make sure that you use the ones that you have. Um, and they'll be available every week at our Next Steps area in the lobby every week. If you're watching online you want some of these, just let us know. Come by the office sometime or we can bring them to you. Uh, we want you to, to have an opportunity to invite people to come and be a part of what God's doing here. Um, this is one simple way that we can see the glory of God in our neighbors. Simple. But it's not the only thing that we see. We do see the early church. They, 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 they won their neighbors over through love and hospitality, but they also met the needs of their neighbors. If, you, uh, if you're a note taker, met the needs. That's the second one we're looking for. Um, I want to read the verses that immediately follow uh, verse 47 of chapter 2. This is, uh, I'm going to read a lot. It's like 10 verses, but uh, it's just such a cool story. Now, Peter and John 
two of the apostles, were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there, and he was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look here. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I ain't got no money. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Listen, Peter and John see a man in need, and they do what they can to help him. I love the words in verse 6. Hey, guy, we ain't got any money, but we got something better, right? We have something better than money, and God uses them to bring healing to this man. Now, you and I may not be speaking to the lame and seeing them jump up and walk, but we can reach out when we see needs in our community and meet them as best we can. We, there are tons of needs in our community. I want to talk about just a few things that we do already as a church and some things that we're looking forward to doing. Both our men's and our women's ministries are engaged in this type of work already. Uh, today, right now, don't go steal it, but in our kitchen and in our uh, kitchen in Building B is food that is packed up and ready to be delivered to a family who just lost a loved one. Right, Food, that doesn't seem like a big deal, right? But it is a big deal to the family that just lost somebody. Our men's ministry, um, that, that we over the last six months, we've been able to help this one family with some house problems, resealed a leaky roof and replaced a kitchen sink cabinet that was rotten and unusable. We're going to continue. Our women's ministry is going to continue to look for opportunities to meet the needs of the people around us. Our men's ministry is going to continue to look for opportunities to meet the needs of the people around us. But we need you to get engaged in that. We need you to get engaged with that. In the first service, we had our, our women's discipleship coordinator, but in our second service, we got our men's discipleship coordinator. Um, Kyle, Kyle Lines is here today. Uh, if you talk to me or Kenny in the lobby, we'll introduce you to him. Guys, we'd love to help you get connected with what God's doing through the men of this church. And uh, we can also hook you up with uh, Felicia's number as well for the ladies. We would love for you to get connected to what God's doing. Um, we want to be a blessing through our church, but we also want to have partnerships with organizations through which we can meet needs. Listen to me. I've encountered people that think what I'm about to say is a lie. And if that's you, you're a fool, okay? <laughs> Lovingly, all right? Here's my statement. There are people in our area who are hungry. Now you may think that's not true, but I got stats and I, get, I know real people who I can point you to that are hungry. Way too many children within five miles of this church are going to go to bed tonight hungry. Way too many. And if we as a church turn a blind eye to that, good night, 
I mean, are we really, are we really the church that's about our community? Are we really looking to see the glory of God in our community and our neighbors? You need to do some research if that's you because there are way too many hungry people that my heart can handle. We're going to see this basic need, and we're going to do our best to meet it, but I'll just be straight with you all. The need within five miles of this church, we don't have a building large enough on our campus to hold the amount of food that it would take to feed that many people. But you know what we do have? A partnership with House of Harvest that does have a building big enough to hold that much food. And it's just a few miles down the road. And so for a long time, we've had a partnership with House of Harvest. And at one time, it was the, it was the cool thing. We were excited about it. It was something that everybody wanted to be involved in. Excuse my language. It was the sexy thing. It was good. It was fun. Right? Everybody was excited about it. But it's, our, our excitement about it has waned. But guess what hasn't waned? The hunger in our community. And so you and I have got to, in 2021, rekindle our excitement to partner with the House of Harvest. This local organization has as its mission providing food and sharing Jesus with this community. We know the founder well. We trust him. And we want to do what we can to help his ministry thrive. And he has told us the best thing that we can do is to serve the first Saturday of every month at the distribution site, which is currently Harvest Elementary. We're going to continue to feel that every single month through our group's ministry. So you're like, hey, House of Harvest, that sounds awesome. I'd love to get in plugged in with that. Here's what you need to do. First, get plugged into a group. That'd be my first step for you. Because we're going to use our group's ministry. If you're in my group on Wednesday nights, guess what? February 6th. We're carrying a group from my group to serve at House of Harvest February 6th. Um, we want to do the best we can. To We'll do some other things throughout the year to help with them. We do things at Thanksgiving and other times. We want to continue to do that. But another set of local missions partners that I get excited about is our schools. And I'll say the same thing about the schools. If you think that teachers, just because you pay your taxes, have everything that they need to do their job well. You create you as you as crazy as the person that don't believe there's hunger. Our teachers are struggling. They don't have they don't have the volunteer hours that they need. They don't have oftentimes the finances that they need to to do the things well. They don't have the moral support. There are always things that we can do to come alongside our schools and help them be successful. I've sent emails to all of our principals over the last year that I've been here, and here's what I tell them as often as I can. You know why we love our local schools? Because your teachers spend over 35 hours with the kids in this community. Miss Terry gets two if she's lucky. Right? You see that. Our teachers need to be encouraged. We have so many Christian teachers on our campuses um, of these schools that, that, that they, they, they've trusted in Jesus and they want to find ways that they can minister to their kids. But frankly, a lot of them are tired. Teachers, amen? It's just they're tired and they want, they, they want to make an impact, but sometimes they just don't know how. And so we as a church, we want to partner with them. You better believe that I want them to know that we are here for them. I want them to think big. I, I, man, honestly, here's I want to be a church that when the schools that are closest to us, when they have an idea that's too big for them, that they don't know if they've got the volunteer hours to pull it off, that they don't shoot it down. You know what I want them to do? Pick up a cell phone and call my number and say, hey, we've got this crazy idea. Can you guys help with it? 
And when we, here's what you need to know about that. When we step into that, we don't always get to share the gospel like we wish we could, okay? But that's not the purpose. The purpose is to win over our neighbors so that they know that Lindsay Lane East isn't just about y'all come here. It's about us going out and to minister into them. And so, man, um, we, we need to be there. I want to be the first phone call that we get that they think about making. We already do Christmas house um, or in, in close to Christmas uh, through the schools, but we're currently discussing ways that we can partner with some of these schools on a more regular basis. And if you hear of needs that, that, that you think are legitimate, then let us know. But at least be willing to pray for us to strengthen these relationships with these schools. Uh, so we'll be talking more about that as God gives clarity. Um, not only did the early church win over their neighbors and meet the needs of their neighbors, they also, number three, they spoke truth to their neighbors. I want to. This is what happens after Peter and John uh, bring, uh, God uses them to bring healing to this man. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse, uh, I mean, Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. While he was holding on to Peter and John, this is the man that was healed, all the people, we've heard that before, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power of godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over to Pilate, denied him, though he had... Uh, decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murder, murderer released to you. You killed the source of life. He goes into pretty intense here. By faith in his name, this is verse 16, his name has made this man strong. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. Man, what we see, Peter and John, after the man is healed, Peter and John begin to get the question, why did you do this? How did you do this? Their response, again, is even longer than what I just read. And then they get to go do the exact same thing before, before the Jewish council in chapter 4. But when they're put on the spot, they speak loving yet real truth. They want those who witness this lame man, this dude who was who was more than 40 years old, who had never walked, now walking by the power of Jesus. Listen to what doesn't happen. Peter and John don't take credit. Peter and John don't turn their back and go, yeah, we're pretty awesome. Can you pat me on the back? Come on. They don't do that. They don't allow themselves to be built up as powerful magicians or, or healers. They simply make it clear that Jesus has done this. And in so doing, he is the only one who gets the glory. And I'm just going to challenge you as a church. The same must be true for us. Right, as you seek to make a love, uh, a loving and hospitable home, it must not be so that Lindsay Lane East looks good. As we reach out through House of Harvest, it can't be so that people just think well of us and think that we're a really cool church. It must be for the glory of God in our neighbors. That is the reason we want to partner with our schools. That is the reason we want to partner with House of Harvest because we are all about seeing the glory of God in our neighbors. We want to see needs met and lives changed. 
Here's another caveat that you need to know too because I know there are things that all of us are passionate about. But we as a church can't do everything. You know that, right? We can't meet every need that is in our area. And we can't be a part of every organization or give to every organization in our area that helps meet those needs. We can only do what we can with the hours and the and the money that we have as people. And so I know the first thing you're going to do is you're gonna, everybody's going to bring me what you think we need to be doing as a church. <laughs> and it's awesome. Do that. But just don't be hurt whenever we have to make the decision that we can't do everything. Right? At the end of the day, we believe that these three areas are where we're going to focus right now. We want to first off be a welcoming church to our community. They want to do the best that we can to make our guests here feel welcome. If you're a guest here, we love you. We're so thankful that you're here, and I hope you felt welcome. The second thing we want to do is we want to partner with the House of Harvest to meet the physical uh, needs of hunger in our area. And the third thing we want to do is partner with our schools. And right now, that's what our mission strategy looks like locally. Okay? It's subject to change as God leads. But that's going to be the direction um, that we begin to head in 2021. Because, again, we only have so much money and so much time. We want to make, we want to use that wisely to make the biggest impact that we can in the time that we have. And so here's some questions I want to ask you just to chew on. Are you winning over your neighbors and your community? Like in the people that know you, are you known as a person of peace? Or are you known as a person of conflict? Do you show hospitality towards others? And are you contributing to us here, being in a welcoming church? If not, deal with the Lord on that today. Second question, are you helping to meet the needs of your community? Are you willing to help us serve at House of Harvest and at the schools when we're given an opportunity? And one thing I'm going to add in here, because this is something that God laid on my heart and and I was glad I brought up in the first service. I'm going to throw it out here now. One of the things that that's it's always been on mine and Kelly's heart, and we've just never got confirmation from the Lord to step out in it, is foster care. Uh, it's not an official ministry of our church, but um, if that's, uh, again, I spoke at the first service, and there's a couple that have been dealing with it and thinking about it already. So I was like, okay, well, we'll do it again in the second service. Um, foster care is one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel. Um, as you invite in someone who, who's, who's unloved and somebody who doesn't feel connected and doesn't, they feel totally alone, and you show them love and you show them that they're not alone. Um, I would love, there's a process and training that uh, could help get you ready to foster. I'd love to help you think through that just to help meet the needs of our community. Um, the third thing, are you speaking the truth of God in this community? When you go to work, are you shying away from religious discussion? Are you avoiding conversations that might lead to Christ? Or frankly, are you spending more times talking about a political transition than you are the transition of souls into heaven? We must be willing to stand and declare the reason for our love and hospitality towards our community, and it isn't about building a bigger kingdom here at Lindsay Lanise, but that God has redeemed us and saved us to grow the kingdom of God everywhere. I hope that today's message 
Again, it was kind of some information that I wanted to share with our church as well. But this is the kind of church that we want to be. We want to win over our neighbors. We want to meet the needs, and we want to speak truth in love to our neighbors. We believe if we do those things that we will see the glory of God in our neighbors. And so 2021, we're going to be focusing on some of these things. You're going to hear us talk about them. But the biggest thing I want to share with you today is if you've never trusted in Jesus as Savior, that's what we're about here. Like more than we're about groups, more than we're about singing, more than we're about me preaching for 30-ish minutes, we are about helping you see the grace of God that comes to you freely in the blood of Jesus Christ that has changed us and that God wants to use to change you. Today, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior and you know it, like there's no praying about it, like you're like, yes, that's me. Please talk to us before you leave today. We're going to say Patrick and the, Patrick's going to come on up and uh, maybe the team too. I don't know if it's just Patrick, but he's going to be coming up to help lead in a, in a song of uh, of response. Again, this song this song is not to um, to uh, it's not for us to wait to see if someone responds. Okay, this is a time for all of us to respond. You can respond through singing, through praying where you are or at this altar for the needs of other people or your own. Or you can go talk to decision counselors. It'll be by the back door or come talk to me. But if you've never trusted in Jesus, please, oh, please, don't leave this place without talking to somebody. And if you're good, you're a Christian, and you're part of East, take the message that we said today. God's not called us to be a really fun clique. God's called us to always have an arm in our community, pulling in, drawing in those who have yet to meet Christ. That's the kind of church we want to be. Amen? I'm going to say a word of prayer. You can respond however God leads after I finish. Let's go. Father, we thank you, God, for the way that you love us and the things that you do in us and through us, God. And I'm so thankful uh, that East has survived as a church for over seven years now. But, God, we know that you haven't called us here to survive and exist, but, God, to reach into our communities, to see life change God, all of our lives have been changed. God, may you use us to help change others through the Spirit of God. I pray that today has been a day that honors you, but God, I pray also that as even as I speak, God, that the hearts of your people are being stirred to hospitality and love, meeting needs of our community. God, may we not just say it from the pulpit, but may we live it every day. God, we love you and we pray that you would be with us time. God, help us to respond as you lead. In Jesus' name, amen.